This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Pray with me. Father, as we um, think about Thanksgiving coming up this week, we so often ne- neglect to give you thanks and account the blessings that we have. We pray that you'd show us today uh, how to depend upon you more, moment by moment, to depend upon you in prayer, to live a life of, of thanksgiving in all circumstances, and to experience a life of joy. And as we do that, we pray that we would reflect who Jesus is to a world that so desperately needs to know him. And we pray it in his name. Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. We are going to focus on Thanksgiving themes for the next couple of of weeks, and then we'll look at some Christmas themes after that. But I really wanted to take this week and next... And we're going to focus especially on, on Thanksgiving. We're going to focus, expand on that a bit. But one of the main things that we're going to focus on today is the, the theme of Thanksgiving. And we're going to do that again next week as, as well. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 16 through 18 is about the will of God for you. That's a popular question. What is God's will for my life? I can promise you. What we're going to read in just a moment is God's will for your life. This is how we're to live in a way that shows who Christ is, and it's a way that really portrays a flourishing life in Christ. What does that look like? 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're going to look this morning at three short verses of Scripture, beginning with verse 16. 1 Thessalonians 5 And verses 16 through 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's read those again. The Bible says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks, In all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I was listening to a discussion by a couple of seminary professors the other day, and they were talking about the fact that on their campus, the money question, the the, the question they get more than anything else is this, what is God's will for my life? And usually... There will be follow-up questions related to that. You know, should I take this particular job opportunity? You know, should we get this particular house? Should I marry this person? Should I pursue this major or, or, or whatever? Okay, those are all questions about what theologians refer to as God's individual will for our lives. And, and those things are, are not usually 
spelled out in Scripture. Like, you know, you're not going to find a verse of Scripture that's going to that's answer that question about God's will for you as an individual. But the text that we're looking at today is about God's moral will for your life. God's moral will is about how he has commanded us to live. And we don't have to wonder about what God's moral will is for us because his moral will is spelled out for us in Scripture. Now here's the deal. If we walk with God according to his moral will, we're going to be much better positioned to discern God's individual will for decisions that we need to make for this reason. You know, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6 says this. It says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So what we're talking about today is a way that we acknowledge God in all of our ways. If we're walking closely with him day by day, moment by moment, then we're going to be better able to have discernment about the decisions that we need to make. This text is about acknowledging him in all of our ways. And it is about experiencing a flourishing, beautiful, victorious life in Christ. So what does the Bible tell us here? First of all, it says rejoice always. Rejoice always. Years ago, when I was interning here, one day I was going through some old boxes of things, and I came across some cassette tapes that a staff member had brought back from a conference. And one of those tapes was Dr. J.I. Packer. And Dr. Packer was talking about in this message to, to practice the discipline of joy. That was a new way of thinking for me, because I had always thought of joy as something that just sort of happens to us, not as a discipline that we can practice. But what does the scripture say? It says in verse 16, rejoice always. Now, in Greek, this is a present tense imperative, which means that it is a command. And it is a, the fact that it's in the present tense means that it is something that is to be practiced continuously. But how do we do that? How can we rejoice Always. After all, circumstances in our lives are not always good. But Jesus is always good. And that's why, as Paul sort of expands on this in Philippians 4.4, 4, he says there, rejoice in the Lord always. No matter what else is going on in our lives, Jesus Christ died for our sins, rose from the dead, and is coming again in victory. No matter what else is happening in our lives, if you have trusted him as your Savior, you have been forgiven of all your sins, and you have been adopted as a child of God, and he loves you with a perfect love. And therefore, we can rejoice always. 
And see, this is the distinguishing mark of Christian joy as opposed to worldly joy. It's the fact that as Christians, we can rejoice even in times of adversity. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 11 and 12, Jesus says there, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In the fifth chapter of Acts, the apostles have just been drugged before a council and interrogated and beaten But it tells us there in verse 41 that they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Already in the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul has said to this persecuted church, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of God the Holy Spirit. How many times do we see the words affliction and joy in the same sentence? But in the Bible, you see these two things together all the time. And and Paul here points to something else that we need to understand. And we need to understand it about all three of these things that we're talking about today. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. These are not things that we can do apart from the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces these things. The ability to do these things is the result of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, and it is evidence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Through the Spirit, we can rejoice always. Now listen, when you think about it, To not be dependent on circumstances going right in order to have joy is an incredibly liberating thing. It's a freeing thing to know that you can have a joy that is not dependent on everything going right. Because we know everything doesn't always go right. And see, this is why Paul puts these things together. Um... I want us to look at Philippians 4, uh, verses 12 and 13. You can just kind of see the, uh, how freeing this, this is. Paul says there, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Ben Zobrist plays baseball for the Chicago Cubs. Strong Christian guy. Knows his Bible. He was actually the MVP in the World Series this year. But I, I, wanna, I was listening to an interview with him. And this was done about a year, over, over a year before the World Series. And this Christian athlete said this. Ben said, it's funny. I listen to those interviews after people have won the Super Bowl or the World Series, and sometimes I'm like, we're missing it. I hear people use Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, as like their pump-up verse that's going to allow them to do things on the field 
they've never done before. When you really look at that passage, the Apostle Paul is saying, I can even do jail and misery and weakness through Christ who strengthens me. For me, I have to realize that if that's the truth, when I fail, I need to give God glory just as much as when I succeed. If through that, people can see that my hope is not in my success or failure, it's in Him, then so be it. Let that be for God's glory. There's one more thing that I want us to see about this command, to rejoice always, and it's this. Paul here is not just talking about our experience of joy. He is also talking about our expression of joy. To be a joyous Christian, no matter the circumstances, is an incredible witness to those around you. When people see that you have a joy that is not dependent on circumstances, when people see that you have a joy that enables you to rejoice even in times of adversity, they're going to start asking questions about what the source of your joy is, about who the source of your joy is. It's about the expression of that joy. Let, let your friends... Let your neighbors, let the people that you work with or go to school with, let them see a joyous, spirit-filled Christian life lived out in front of them. Rejoice always. Second, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Cliff Barrows went home to be with the Lord this past week. Cliff Barrows was... Billy Graham's music leader in his crusades for decades. Talk about joy. Cliff Bear has always had such a contagious sense of joy as he sort of led out in those crusade meetings. But you know, I think one of the most powerful things about that whole Billy Graham team, Dr. Graham, Cliff Barrows, Bev Shea, all those guys, one of those powerful things about them, the most powerful thing, was the authenticity of their faith. And Christ, they they were real. I heard a story about one time Billy Graham was doing an interview on the Today Show, and when they got to the NBC studios, one of the producers asked Dr. Graham's assistant. Um, they said, "You know, we've got the special room set aside for Dr. Graham to pray before he he goes on for the the interview." And his assistant said, "I really I don't think he'll need you know a special room or anything." And this NBC producer was just shocked that, you know, Billy Graham, this evangelist, would not want this separate room set aside for him to pray before doing this interview on national TV. And the, Dr. Graham's assistant, who knew him well, uh, said this. They said, you know, he started praying when he woke up this morning. And he prayed as he ate breakfast. And he prayed, he'll be praying as, he drive, as we drive over here today, and he's probably going to be praying all the way through this interview. Pray without ceasing. Dr. Robert Thomas, New Testament scholar, uh, says this about what, what Paul means here when he says to pray without ceasing. It means this, constantly recurring prayer, growing out of settled dependence on God. 
In other words, as we grow in Christ, sort of the normal thing that happens is that we become more and more dependent on God, less dependent on ourselves, and more and more able to trust Him in the moment. In other words, as we just move through life, normal, everyday life, and situations come up, kind of the normal thing that happens as we grow in Christ is that we increasingly just breathe out little prayers to God. And we're, we're constantly aware of His presence, and we're trusting Him to work in our lives and in situations and in circumstances, just, just sort of, 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 of moment by moment as we grow in Him. Now, this does not mean that we should not set aside a time to pray. We certainly should. And Paul, as a first century Jew, would have done that probably at least three times a day. Would have had time set aside just to spend that time with God. So, yeah, we, we, we need to block out time to be alone with God. But as we grow in Christ, this life of prayer becomes more and more constant. And more and more just like breathing because we understand that we're not doing life alone anymore. We are doing life with God. And so it becomes natural as we just move through the course of, of normal, everyday life just to constantly be praying and giving things to Him and just asking for Him to, to, to work in whatever is, is, is happening in life at that moment. Now, if you're living that way, I can promise you, you're going to experience more joy. Now that is why Paul puts these things back to back. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. The theologian John Calvin, in, in commenting on this verse, has said this, Since there are every day, if not every moment, many things that disturb our peace and mar our joy, the apostle tells us to pray continually. This gives us a calm joy and a composed mind that is not unduly disturbed by injuries or adversities. You know, in Philippians 4, 4 through 6, Paul really puts a lot of these things together. And you can see the, the relationship between joy and prayer and thanksgiving. He puts all these things together and he says there, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See how he ties these things together? Okay, Rejoice in the Lord always, all right? Um, in everything, give thanks. He says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And when, and when we're doing that, what happens? Peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, he puts all these things together, just as he does in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Now, we have to train ourselves to live this way, don't we? 
right? And we have to untrain ourselves from our self-reliance and from taking everything on ourselves, taking all of our burdens on ourselves. We have to untrain ourselves from doing that. And do as the Scripture says. 1 Peter 5, 7. It says we're to be casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. And we can trust Him to act on behalf of His children. If you're in Christ, you belong to Him. You are His son or daughter. He has adopted you as His own. He loves you. And He's willing to answer your prayers. He delights in answering your prayers. Jesus says in Matthew seven eleven, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. Jesus delights in answering our prayers. And furthermore, he is able, able to answer. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Pastor Mark Howell says this, the greatest tragedy in life is that prayers go unanswered because they go unasked. So seek to practice prayer without ceasing. It's going to be a lifelong process for all of us. But seek to grow in it. Seek to make progress in this day by day. And don't make it more difficult than what it is. And Peter Kreft is a renowned apologist for the Christian faith, Christian philosopher. But he says this about prayer. Kreft says, prayer is easier than we think. We want to think it's too hard or too high or too holy for us because that gives us an excuse for not doing it. This is false humility. We can all do it. You do not have to have some mystical method. You do not have to have a method at all. Can you talk to a friend? Then talk to God, for he is your friend. The single most important piece of advice about prayer is one word. Begin. God makes it easy. Just do it. Pray without ceasing. Third, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, once again, the challenge here is that Paul does not qualify this statement in any way. In fact, he doesn't qualify any of these three statements, does he? What does he say? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. He does not qualify these statements. But notice here that he does not tell us to give thanks for all circumstances. He tells us to give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, even if a circumstance is not good, we can trust that a sovereign good God is going to bring good 
out of everything, every circumstance. And therefore, we can give thanks in every circumstance. Romans 8 and verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, see, this is the sovereign will of God. All right? We have the individual will of God where we're praying about just kind of everyday decisions in our lives. Okay? Um, we have the moral will of God, which is how he wants us to live. And then we have the sovereign will of God, which is Romans 8.28. And that's the fact that, that God is, is ordering and directing all of the circumstances in our lives. And therefore, we can give thanks in all of our circumstances because we know that God is going to bring good even out of things that are not good. He's doing that. And that just makes the, the trials and the difficulties in our lives just so much more bearable when we understand it. Paul Borthwick teaches missions up in the Boston area. And uh, he was in a McDonald's the other day. And he, he came across this, uh, this student. And he knew that this guy had just graduated with a master's from Harvard. And he, and this, he was waiting on him at, at, at McDonald's. And so he, 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 uh, he, the guy had a coffee break coming up. And so they sat down and, and they, they chatted. And um, and he knew that this young guy that was working at the McDonald's wanted to be a missionary, and, you know, that's what he had gotten his degree in and everything. And so um, he said, hey, t- tell, me, tell me what's going on. You know, what are you doing here? Uh, and, and the young guy said, well, you know, I graduated four months ago, and I, nothing's opened up. I mean, I just, uh, the, no position is, has opened up. And, uh, and so uh, Paul, Paul said to him, he said, nah, man, I'm, I'm sorry. And the student said to him, oh, no. <laughs> he said, God has me here. He said, I want to be a missionary. He said, let me tell you about the shift that I work on. He said, I have a, a Buddhist from Sri Lanka. I have a Hindu from India. I have a Muslim guy from Lebanon. And I have a fellow Christian from El Salvador. He said, I want to do missions. He said, I get to do global missions while asking people, would you like fries with that? Okay? He says, I'm where God wants me to be right now. And see, this is, this is it. When we understand, you know, that, that, that a good, sovereign God is in control, you know, and he's ordering and directing the events of our lives, even, even when circumstances don't go exactly the way that we planned them, listen, it sweetens your trials it sweetens trials when you know that when you're secure in his love and when you know that God wasn't taken by surprise by anything and that he loves you and that he's in control of exactly what is happening and he knows what he's doing. Does that not change things? That enables you to give thanks in all circumstances and it sweetens our trials. And listen, ultimately, our trials can be sweetened because Jesus Christ has endured the ultimate trial. On our behalf. He has literally gone to trial. A mock trial. Where he was mocked. Beaten. Scorned. And nailed to a cross. On our behalf. So that. Not only can our sins be forgiven. 
but so that every circumstance in our lives, including our trials, can be filled with meaning. And so that one day, all of our trials will end and every tear will be wiped away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, and the gospel. We thank you that as your children, that you, that you love us, that you're in charge of everything that's happening in our lives, and that we can give thanks in all circumstances, knowing that you love us and that you're in control and that you're involved in all of our circumstances. Father, we pray that you would cause us to have a contagious joy in you, to rejoice always knowing that no matter what else is happening, that we have Jesus, that we have a Savior who's crucified, buried, and risen, and coming again, and that you have adopted us as your own, that our sins have been forgiven, that we are forgiven and free, and you, and that you're coming again, and that we're going to spend eternity with you. So, Father, help us to rejoice always. Help us to to pray without ceasing, to, to increasingly live lives of prayer. Day by day, indeed moment by moment, that we would be progressing in, in a life that is just constantly in touch with you. And that instead of worrying about things and taking burdens on our, ourselves, that we're, we're, we're just immediately giving those things to you in prayer. That whatever needs that we see in the lives of others, our own lives, that we're, we're constantly interceding, constantly in touch with you. And Lord, give us an attitude of gratitude. So we, 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 we're glad that we have this time on the calendar this week when we celebrate Thanksgiving. But we want every day to be a life of Thanksgiving as believers. We have so much to be thankful for, especially Jesus his name that we pray. Amen. If you're here today and God's speaking to you about becoming a follower of Jesus, we would love to talk with you more about that. If you're here today and God's speaking to you about following Jesus with us together at First Baptist, um, we would love to, uh, to talk with you about that. Let's stand together and you be on your way with your decision for Christ. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1.12, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child. 
his very own son or daughter. Just imagine, Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you to come to one of our services. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.